But at the end of the day, like there's a saying that I really like from Russell Brand. He's like, there's a thin line between genius and madness. And it's just like, you know, genius is seen as madness until it finds its context. So it's like, find your context, find where to let out that energy that was coined as mischievous and crazy at the end of, the, you know, when you were a kid at the end of the day and, and turn it into something incredible. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Alec Alvarez, a social entrepreneur whose life mission is to lead by example by diligently working at the intersection of his passions and skill sets in sports and entertainment, business, and entrepreneurship. On a daily basis, he advocates for people to find their intrinsic motivators and their purpose and use them as a tool to give them financial freedom, fulfillment, and help make society a more empowered and equitable place. To further his mission, Alec is the founder and host of The Smart Alec Show, a podcast where he speaks with guests about relevant life topics such as empathy, success, passion, and more to help other people achieve their own goals. Currently, Alec is continuing his studies at the graduate level, studying sports management at UT Austin. I brought Alec on the show because I admire how he has started asking himself the hard questions early on in his life, and I know he can be an inspiration to other young people to do the same. Please welcome to the show, Alec Alvarez. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast, and I am stoked today to bring Mr. Alec Alvarez onto the show. We're going to start this off real hot because Alec put out a post on LinkedIn a while back that I really jived with, and it was under the theme of always playing like the underdog. So I'm going to let him read this off to you to start off the podcast. Welcome to the show, Alec. Let's get it, my man. Before I read this, just want to say it's a pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you for having me on, my guy. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. Let's get it. All right, I'll start reading. All right. Always play like the underdog. My dream was to attend UT's Macomb School of Business. I was denied out of high school. Nevertheless, I was committed to my dream and wouldn't take no for an answer. I went the road less traveled. I enrolled in community college and made it my mission to get into Macomb's. After countless long nights and a year grinding, I was one of the 10% of Macomb's transfer admits. Always play like the underdog. I entered UT and realized the journey was only beginning Graduating was a real challenge. Surrounded by such smart and ambitious peers who seemed to have it all figured out, imposter syndrome set in as I struggled at this new level of rigor. I felt academic probation and a thought crept into my mind. I wasn't supposed to be here. Always played like the underdog. Three years later, I've graduated with honors, completed my childhood dream of interning at ESPN, and persevered having learned more about myself and life than I ever could have imagined. All this while making friends and memories I'll forever cherish. Quote, unquote, I wasn't supposed to be here. Want to know the craziest part about it? In overcoming the rough times, I realized that all along, I really was supposed to be here. Thank you all have helped me. Here's to the underdogs. 
Fucking love that. So <laughs> one of the reasons that I wanted to have you start off with that is this is my first official show episode, as you would say, here in the new studio. I've done tests and we're finally ready to rock. And you're just somebody that I met you through Hamza and you've just been a bright light, not to myself, but to a lot of other people out there just by showing up and being willing to ask questions and and really just, I would say, lead in a way that is curious. And instead of having an ego and only showing up in a way where you're trying to get something out of the things that you're doing, you're really trying to define your own path and do it in a way that has principles. And I really respect that, especially from somebody that when I was your age, and I hate saying that because it's like really weird. Um, <laughs> I'm not like 70 years old talking like when I was your age. Um, but when I truthfully, when I was in college and coming out of college, I was not going about life the way that I should have. And it's admirable to see people that right when they come out are going about it in an admirable way. So I just wanted to start with that and really hit on the question for me that when I saw that it was like, one, why did you feel like an underdog? And then after that, we'll dig into a little bit of like why UT was a dream for you, but start with the whole underdog mentality. When you were talking about always play like an underdog, what did you mean by that? No doubt. Um, first, first and foremost, before I get to the underdog part, I appreciate the the kind words. That's a lot to live up to. I feel like we all have, you know, ego and it's it's hard to overcome and put the ego aside to admit like hey I don't know a lot in this space and I need to be inquisitive and ask questions so I've always prided myself on being able to you know say we're in a, in a room full of people and we're all thinking the question right all of us but no one wants to be the one to speak up and admit that they don't know and ask the question I've always prided myself on I'll be the one to raise my hand it's easy to say like, oh, you know, be fearless, you know, this and that. But the, the fact of the matter is like, we all have an ego, we all have fear. And uh, the thing I do is I practice my muscle, I flex my muscle of overcoming the fear. And it can be as simple as raising a hand and asking a question. And then on the part about not trying to get things out of people, I think like in life, you should always look to give more than you gain, right? So like in our relationship, right? Let's say, you know, the way I look at it is like, I want to give 51% and take 49% mm. from CJ. And in aggregate, if you do that with enough people throughout the course of life, you've provided so much value to others and they provided so much value to you that even though you've given more than you've taken from everybody and some, you're going to benefit longer or better in the long term. But uh, on the underdog part, man, why did I feel like an underdog? Um, I think it goes back to childhood, man. Um, so... We were both soccer players, right? What what position were you again? Uh, for the most part, like left left flank, midfield. Flank. Okay, yeah. midfield. I I could have figured that, like you know, speed, size. Looks like you got the touch and the in the vision. But um, <laughs> so believe it or not, I played goalkeeper. So I'm five six. I'm not much shorter than you. And you know, obviously for a goalkeeper, like you know, to play at the collegiate level, you better be at least five eleven, preferably over six feet, right? So. I was able to, you know, find ways to succeed as a goalkeeper. So my dad's 5'11". He's really like six feet. My brother's about 5'10", 5'11". My sister's my height, actually. So I don't know what happened with my genes, right? But it's like <laughs> all, all the coaches are like, oh, he'll catch up to his dad's height and he'll be fine. But, um, you know, by the time I was like 
junior in high school. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm still five, six. Like, I don't, I don't think this is going anywhere. <laughs> so, um, you know, just, it comes a lot from childhood, right? Being undersized at the goalkeeper position, learning how to adopt that mantra and mentality of, you know, I'm an underdog. I'm not as tall. I'm not as talented. I'm not as skilled, but I make up for it through grit and effort and leadership, building a bond with uh, teammates, people I work with, and using that synergy, that chemistry to overcome and beat more talented players or teams because we work together better. So it comes partly from, you know, on the soccer field as a kid, um, but it also comes from, honestly, my, my background with my family, you know, like I'm Hispanic first and foremost, mostly Mexican, got a little Puerto Rican, Boricua in me. Um, but, you know, aside from that, it's like growing up, you know, and first and foremost, like I, I come from a wonderful family, full of love, full of awesome things, but it's also a dysfunctional family, right? Like I grew up seeing, you know, people in and out of prison you know, for things that plague the Hispanic community and a lot of minority communities to this day where it's like, you know, things, uh, you know, involved in, in the drug game, you know, trafficking, things of that nature. So in seeing those things as a kid, I could have let it influence me negatively. Like, oh, that's the only way of life. That's the only way you can succeed or get out. But I, I chose a different path. Like, even though I come from a place that may be deemed more dysfunctional, I'm not going to adopt this victimhood mentality is that like, oh, well, this is life and it's, it can't get better. So it's a combination of, you know, in sports, on the field, the family stuff, you know, the background I was growing up in, you know, seeing people coming in and out of prison, um, dysfunctional stuff going on in the family realm, alcoholics in the family. Um, but even with all that, there was always love and guidance and mentorship from coaches, teachers, family members, right? Like it took a village to get me to where I am today. But uh, honestly, the the other part of the underdog mentality is like in the classroom. I was never, I never struggled in class and that was to my detriment. Like growing up, I never studied. I never did anything. I was just, I would just do well in school and that works up to a point. And then when I got to college, it's like, you know, you, you need to, you can't just show up and ace the test. You can't just show up and do well anymore. So I had to learn that, but I was never like top of the class in high school. I was like, I was always like in the middle. So that was also where the underdog mentality came from. Like never in any realm of life did I ever feel like I am the smartest. I'm the most athletic. I'm the most gifted. I'm the most articulate. Um, I'm the most handsome. Any realm, any endeavor in life, I've never felt like I was top dog. I've always felt like I was either bottom of the pack or middle of the pack. And I closed the gap through inquisitiveness and relentlessness and effort, in all honesty. So that's that's a long-winded way of saying where the underdog mentality comes from. No, I like that response a lot. And it hits home more than you think, especially the, the size factor. And if you're talking about soccer, I wasn't even 100 pounds coming into high school. And I was the only freshman that was like practicing with the varsity team when I came in. Fortunately, when I was growing up, there was a lot of club teams around me that were really good. My town wasn't necessarily good and my parents would drive me to the town over and I was fortunate enough to play with some of the better kids growing up. And what that led to is when I got to high school, even though I was small, I could still 
play with the older kids, but man, I would get my ass beat down. Like they, you you put a hand on me and I was on the ground. (laughs) Um, and man, it fired me up so much. And eventually what that led to was, um, I started lifting my, I think my junior year, but even then it was like too little too late. And when I got into my freshman year of college, to your point, the relentlessness that you have to have to succeed is a little bit different. Like when you're in high school, it's just like, I can just show up and everything's cool. Got to college. And when you, when you're trying to do collegiate sports and academics, it's a lot, no No matter what you're doing. And I want to put that out there, No no matter what your degree is, it's just a lot getting thrown at you. And for me, it was like, not only a lot, but I'm also still a little bit diminutive. And I still remember after my freshman year, just saying to myself, I'm going to fucking gain 20 pounds in the gym this year. Hell yeah. And uh, it was such a microcosm. When I look, think back, I love the story you told because it's such a microcosm to everything else where there's seasons to life. And I still remember that winter season, that winter session after my freshman year where I kind of went into hibernation and just hit the gym hard. And then the results didn't show until summer. And when we actually spring, spring league, like I came out super hot and was able to score goals that I normally couldn't score. Mm. I just was not getting bounced off the ball like I used to. And I was like, holy shit, is it like, this is me. This is crazy, right? The reason I'm telling this and I'm kind of going down this path is that underdog mentality, me going into hibernation that winter, you don't see the results during the winter. You don't see the results in the gym. So you're kind of driving blind. What results has the underdog mentality helped you achieve in everyday life? Yeah, in everyday life, the underdog mentality has helped me achieve a number of things across like multiple spectrums of life, right? First and foremost, right? Like if we if we go back in time, right? Like the underdog mentality on the field that allowed me to be a passionate and very confident leader, right? Uh, My teammates could see my effort on the field. They could see the hard work paying off in the way that we'd have, like, my senior year, we had, like, eight straight shutouts, eight straight games with zero goals allowed, one of the best goal differentials in the district. And that year, I was coming off an ACL tear. Like, I tore my ACL my junior year, and then I rehabbed in six months, and I got back on the field, and and we went. And I got All-State honorable mention that year. So I was like, okay, that's where the underdog mentality pays off, you know. Not only are you undersized, but you're coming off an injury, but can you put in enough effort knowing that you have all these things against you and still perform well, and then the results come. So the injury almost is like a blip on the right. Ra- that would wreck other people, but because yeah. you're used to showing up in a certain way, it almost is just like a speed bump rather than a travesty. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I've talked to a lot of people when the an injury like that is very devastating and it is a monumental moment along the journey. And it, it was big for me at the time. Like it did send me into a kind of semi-depressed state in the moment because like I was a junior, it was before the playoffs. I was never going to get to play with my senior teammates again, my buddies. Like you just never knew that was like, oh, yesterday was the last time we we're ever going to be on the pitch together again, you know? Uh, so that was sad, but- wow. You know, just uh, because of the other things I had been through in life, like with my family. And again, I come from 
a great family. Like if they're listening to this, I, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. And they, they helped me get to where I am today, but that doesn't mean that everything was Danny and sweet and it was all butterflies and rainbows growing up, you know? So because of the things I had already gone through, it had already given me a more perseverant, just resilient uh, mindset on things. So I was able to overcome the injury better. I was able to over drown out the noise of like people talking shit like, oh, Alex, only five, six coach. Like we should get another keeper in here that's taller. I was able to drown out all the BS and people on the, all the noise and overcome that on the field. So what that allowed me to do is like, you know, when I got a 17 on the ACT and, and for those who don't know, there's a max score of 36. So that's like not even half of what you can get. <laughs> so when I got a 17 on the ACT the first time, you know, like, you know, people could make fun of me or whatever. Like, oh, he's going to community. Because I, I went to this high school in Dallas that's like, it was a private high school. It was like very affluent. So everyone was like going to these like at least decent universities, if not top-notch universities. Like no one was really going to community college except me and actually a couple other of my buddies who are also, we kind of consider ourselves like an how underdog much, team. How much effort did you put into the ACT though? I, I didn't put much effort at all, though, to okay. be fair. Yeah, I didn't put much go. effort at all. But that goes back to, like, you know, in high school and in elementary, middle, high school, I would never try because I just, school came easy to me. I didn't learn how to put in the work in the academic realm until later. But I learned how to put in work when it came to physically, like plyometrics, the agility ladder, my reflexes, playing goalkeeper, uh, then getting into the gym also when I was a junior because I was pretty scrawny, like, you know, playing high school soccer. So I needed to bulk up. But you like you learn that in the physical realm. You bring that into other realms of life, right? The classroom. And then as you get older into the realm of business or whatever endeavor of life you're you're working in. But um, basically, you know, going into, into college, like everyone else is going to four-year university, joining fraternities, having a great time. And they're like, what are you, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go, bro? Like, why don't you just go here? go to XYZ University, you know, go to Tech, go to UT Dallas, whatever, right? Because I'm from Dallas. Like these other schools that are also great, but it wasn't where I wanted to go, which was UT, right? It was McCombs because I knew no one was going to help me pay for college. Um, I'm the oldest of four siblings. Like my parents had to, you know, take care of the younger siblings. You know, I wasn't going to ask of them to do that for me. So I was like, there better be a damn good ROI on me going to college, or it's yeah, how did you even think shit. in terms of ROI back then? I mean, it it sounds like complex, but I think at the, the bottom line, right? Because uh, let me backtrack. Uh -huh. uh, like most kids going to college, like if you like most kids entering college, I think they fit in a couple of different molds. But like the two I'll pick on right now is like you either have the kid that's going to the college as parents want like kind of pressuring them, like you should apply to these schools. Or you have the kid that's going to the school that he really wants to go to because he's measuring ROI in not necessarily the way the ROI that that should have been <laughs> looked at. Like the ROI is like, yeah. oh, there's going to be parties and there's going to yeah. be girls and there's going to be. I mean, I was thinking that way. It was no like doubt. I wanted to go to Penn State or Rutgers because it was like these are big <laughs> schools and I'm going to party. Yes, I'm going to get my degree, but it's just like, OK. But then I started really doing the math on the, an Excel sheet. And I was like, shit, like I got it. I only got into two schools. Mm. I only applied to two schools, Penn state and, and Rutgers and like Penn state. I was like, I'm not going, I'm not trying to have like 80 to hundred K in debt. Yeah. Like that, the ROI, like money wise is just not there. Um, so that's how I was thinking about it. But I would say a lot of people don't necessarily think about that. And also like, I'd, I'd love to hear like how, what was your version of ROI 
at the time. Okay, let me let me step back a minute. It wasn't, I think, I like think it I'm was- painting, no, I'm painting too pretty of a picture. <laughs> let me let me be straight. That was all in the ROI as well. Like, you know, the branding of UT, the clout, um, you know, the Austin being known for being like a city to have a great time yeah. in. You know, I had got I went to uh it's called Jambalaya. It is like a music festival here in Austin. I went in 2017. There's like all these big names like performing like at the time. It was like Gucci Mane, Migos, Luzi Verd. And we like we got like an Airbnb. We're young, like 17 or 18. And me and all my buddies came down. We had a blast, right? And like we went out to like Rainy Street on Sunday. And obviously we got denied because like we're like 17 <laughs> fucking years old. But like we saw what it looked like. And I was yeah. like, this looks like a great time. This looks like a fun time. And not only is it a fun time. But like my uncle, who I told you got, an, uh, he got his MBA. He's one of the only people in my family to uh, have gone to college. And he had been telling me for years. And I was like, hey, man, like if you just go there, like just delay the gratification, go there. You at least will have bottom level. You will at least have a great life. You'll make decent money. You'll always have a job. You won't have anything to worry about. Like just get into UT somehow and it'll pay off. And he would tell me stories about he regretted not trying harder when he was younger. He, he went to UT Arlington and University of North Texas. He got like his MBA with a focus in finance and accounting. He does well, right? He's been a big mentor to me in my life. But he told me even then, he's like, you know, I did well for myself, but I regret not going to UT. So he really was a huge influence on me. So it wasn't on me, right? Um, it was partly things I had seen and like coming and having a good time in Austin, but also like at the end of the day, when it's coming out of your pocket, you're going to think very differently. Mm. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Alec. I hope you are loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Alec Alvarez. That's why I think like, it's interesting. Like, you know, um, I always think about parenting, you know, it's like, how can you give kids the things you didn't have, but not give them too much to where there's a lack of ambition or there's too much of a safety net that they don't have that gut instinct kick in of like, how do I make this work? Because there's no other option. I've thought about that a lot as well. And I follow almost the same methodology as I think my parents kind of instilled in my brother and I, where it's give kids what they, they need not what they want. So food, books, place to sleep, (laughs) like quality in those areas, their health, do your best there. But I remember 
a good instance is I wanted to skateboard one Christmas and uh, my dad didn't get it for me. And I, I think back like, okay, why didn't my dad get me this, this skateboard I wanted? Instead he got me a stupid scooter that I like never used. Um, <laughs> he didn't get me a skateboard because the skateboard was like $120 at the time. And I'm mm-hmm. like 13. So it's like, I'm now thinking because it's my money, like would I get my kid a $120 skateboard? Probably not. Unless there was like a very valid reason for this kid to to get the skateboard. I actually needed better other things more that were more important. Um, so at the time I was butthurt, but when I look back, I'm like, okay, what he instilled in me was I then busted my ass, like pay for my own skateboard and my own skateboard shoes. Um, and it built like this grit in me. So I, I really understand where you're coming from with that. And I think, do you think that that's a little bit lacking in today's world? I think so. And because you went to school, I would say like in a time where when I was in school, it's crazy how fast the world has changed. Mm -hmm. Like if you go back a decade, when I was in college, like Instagram wasn't what it is. Like YouTube was, isn't what it is. Like the way that you go about life, like zoom, like wasn't a thing really. So you went in a different time where access to information and things are so different. How did that like impact? Like, are people less gritty in your eyes or like, how has that shown up? I think there's like increased polarization, right? Like you have a small subset of people that are taking advantage of the information and leveraging it to learn more um, about what they want to do, what they can do, what resources are available for them to achieve their dreams and they're using it to achieve their dreams. And then there's the other subset of people, which is probably the majority, unfortunately, that are like, you know, being distracted by the monster that is social media. And it's like, it can be good or it can be bad, but what are you letting it do to you? Right. So it's like, are you letting the algorithm take all of your time and you're just scrolling aimlessly, mindlessly, or are you intentionally and purposefully like looking up information that's going to help you via podcasts like this one or stuff on YouTube, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think like even when, even five years ago, right? When did I get to UT? I got to UT in 2018. Even in 2018, there wasn't anywhere near as much information or resources available on this type of stuff, I feel like, especially like the college stuff versus like now I'm seeing people put out a lot of content. I'm like, hey, apply for these scholarships. Hey, these are remote jobs available that are, you know, conducive to like being while you're in school, right? So I feel like now there's like more of a democratization of all this information and resources, but I don't know, man. I feel like it's hard to say whether it's better or worse. I I, I hate to be, I'm more of an optimist than a pessimist, but I I hate to be pessimistic, but I'm a realist. And I feel like it is getting worse. Honestly, like the entitlement and um, a lot of the things that are going on, honestly, are are getting worse. I hate to say that. I think you hit the nail on the head. One, it's going to be tough to say, and like, we can't see the future. I think the word that you pinned is distraction. So many people lack the ability to stay focused. And that's where I kind of want to like shift this conversation into, okay, like you have this underdog mentality, which is great. There's probably a lot of people out there with underdog mentality, but that, that alone doesn't get you what you want out of life. And it can honestly hurt some people because if you have the underdog mentality, you have this chip on your shoulder all the time, it can create and manifest into this story that you're telling yourself 
that nobody else out there understands me or nobody else gets it or nobody else is like me. I've noticed that with myself in the past. That's how I felt. It was just like, Mm -hmm. no one understand what it's like to be me. Like I'm working so hard and I'm doing all these things. And I think what that showed up in me was in a negative way where I wasn't as inquisitive as you are or Mm -hmm. as curious as you are, because I felt like I had to do it all myself. Just like you were like, I don't, if I'm going to pay for college, it's all on me. And then that not only built confidence, but it built a negative side to it that I worked for years to unravel. Have you experienced that at all? What's the, what's the negative side of kind of that underdog mentality that you've had? Has there been any times where you struggled a little bit mentally with some of the things that you've tried to do or have gone through? No doubt. There's uh there's definitely negatives to like a lot of the positive mentalities or mindsets out there in life. I feel like, um, I went to this like mindfulness practice thing. Like it was like this guided meditation and I forget the gentleman's name, but he basically said like all these mindsets are tools that you can pick up and put down. You're sovereign. You're free to pick up and put them down as you will. So I'm not, uh, maybe in the past I was attached to the underdog mentality. Like that's my identity, but now I know that there are drawbacks to it. Right. Like for example, if I keep telling myself, right, that I'm innately less talented or less skilled than someone else, then that's going to be a story I tell myself and it's going to impact me in the long term where like, you know, when I got to UT, I got imposter syndrome. Like these guys are all geniuses. I'm not. How do I close the gap? Right. And that became a big stressor and pressure that negatively impacted me at the time. Um, How did you handle that? How I handled it is the following, right? Um, So I was studying finance like my uncle. I thought that's what I wanted to do in life. Um, I did an internship in real estate accounting. I realized, you know what? I don't think this is for me. You know, it's, it's <laughs> what about it was not for you. So, I mean, you know me, like, man, like, look at yeah, what we're doing. Yeah, but they don't, right the people listening yeah, yeah, don't. I mean, like, no, no, what I'm saying, like, <laughs> like you, you and me, what we're doing right now, very like, we're talking, we're yeah. communicating, we're telling a story. This is like a creative endeavor going on right here, right? So, I didn't know at the time. It all goes back to self-awareness, but you gain self-awareness by doing things, by trying new things, by getting outside of your comfort zone, right? So like one step towards gaining that self-awareness of where I want to go is I did the real estate internship in accounting. I realized like, yeah, it's kind of boring. Like this is great work. It's very interesting. It's important to know about finances and how they work, but I don't necessarily want to be the one punching stuff in the spreadsheet all day. And my, um, my supervisor at the time, her name's uh, Peg. Peg, wonderful woman, like incredible accountant, but very reserved woman, you know, uh, just like a typical accountant would be. She's awesome, like someone super cool to talk with. But, and now she's like retired. Like, but you're not dabbing Peg up. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you're not, you're not dabbing Peg up. Peg is not like super outspoken. She would not do this. Like, you know, but she even told me, she kind of was one of the first people to give me the confidence to go try something else because she was like, you know, you're so people oriented, you're so communicative, you shouldn't do this. Like you would be wasting your talents that are more suited for something else. She's like, why don't you go try marketing or go try something else? So from there, I took that experience and I was like, cool. You know, sometimes you don't know what you want to do. You need to, but the the easier answer is process of elimination. That's one, one experience from like, don't want to do this, boom. And then you keep going through a process of elimination through all these experiences to get closer to the life you do want to live, what you do like, right? 
so after that, it was like, I think that was 2019. Next summer, I got the internship with ESPN. I was going to go up to New York City, the Big Apple, you know, dream come true. Grew up watching Sports Center. wanted to be a pro athlete. Didn't pan out. But hey, I can still work within the realm of sports and do that within the marketing lens. So I was going to go up to New York. COVID hits, kind of shits on the parade, you know, whatever. Um, I do it remotely. It was still like a great experience, met a lot of cool people. And that's like when I began the process of like, okay, here's something else that's new. I enjoyed it. I liked it more than the real estate accounting stuff. Let's keep exploring this space some more. I was like, okay, marketing is geared around revenue generation. So then I was like, okay, let's go see another revenue driving role. Let's go see what's up with like advertising sales within uh, Hulu. So Disney owns like half of everything like on the planet. So like they own ESPN, which I didn't know at the time. And then they own Hulu as well. So then I drove like switched to a different Disney brand in Hulu, saw ad sales. And then from there it was like, all right, boom, let's keep going on the sales route. See what it's like. Went to work at B2B sales at at and It was like, this is not for me, but you learn a lot of valuable lessons through doing the shit you don't like. Like Dude, they were having us like bust out cold calls, yeah, bro. like an MF, like sending all these, uh, all this outreach. You learn how many how to cold calls did you do a day? I was supposed to be doing probably like upwards <laughs> of at least 30. Was I doing that? No, but Dude, I, I think, was doing a hundred a day. Yeah. My respects 100. to you, bro. My respects to you. That's, what was that like, dude? That's, that's grueling. I'd imagine. <laughs> uh, Exhausting. Yeah. So much so that like I quit after three months. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't blame you, dude. I mean, my respect to people who do that. I think, um, my, yeah, people that do it to win Jesus. I mean, I think there's also something to be said about if it was something that I was passionate about selling, no doubt. I think it would have been, it would have been easier 100%. to show up every day, but I just like, didn't believe in what I was providing. I didn't be mm -hmm. believe in that service. Yeah. I believed it was an outdated service. So that's where it was. I was at conflict where I started thinking there's a better way to do this. And like, why are we doing this this way? No and doubt. as soon as that creeped in, that's when I was like, I can't, I can't show up to a job where I think there's a better way and they're not letting me do it my way. Absolutely, man. And uh, that, that was it for me too. It's like, I don't care about telecommunications. I'm not passionate about this. I'm not interested in it. I'm not going to look into this when I'm off outside of work. You know what I mean? And I think there's an immense value to being passionate about something because instead of like putting all your time and effort into selling something that you don't care about, you're not, you know, you're not going to close deals that way. Like those deals that are on the edge of like, you know, them buying or not, you're not going to have the extra oomph to like push them to buy because you don't have that inner belief deep inside and you can't, that's going to communicate across to them. So I feel like, like what you're doing now, right? Like you're, you're able to take those like three months of like grueling sales work, but use that knowledge and wisdom to be able to sell people on the idea of thriving on life of, you know, partnerships with brands that align with thrives mission. Right. So I feel like that's where the value comes in. Um, like the stuff I learned during those six months at at and I'm now able to apply to different things. Right. Like now, whereas like, you know, sending all these emails would have been an exhausting task for me to do or doing all these calls in a single day would have been exhausting. Now, like, I've built my endurance up to doing that because I did it with something I hated. So I think there's a lot of value in doing things that suck for a little bit to at least learn from it and cross it off your list. Um, because I even, even now, right. Like I'm more evolved in my career journey of like, now I know that like sports is an industry that, you know, I want to go into within more like the creative storytelling and marketing realm. Right. 
Um, but even then it's like, I don't have all the answers, but I'm way closer than I was years ago. And that's why the thrive message resonates with me so much. It's because thrive is about being self-aware and asking yourself the deep, tough questions that we don't want to ask ourselves. Like, what do I really want out of this life? Who am I really? Where do I want to go? Those are tough questions to ask, especially when you're in your early twenties, like I am. Well, now I'm more like mid twenties. Time flies. Uh, it's crazy. But anyways, um, either way, it's like the sooner you ask yourself those questions and start figuring out where you want to go, the closer you are to thriving in life. You know what I mean? You hit the nail on the head with the process of elimination. It's way easier to know what we don't want to do than it is like what we truly want to do deep down when you're younger. You just haven't had enough experiences, especially if you come from, I grew up in a small town. Like I didn't know shit about shit. And then going back to school is easy. Like you think you know everything because you're not really putting in that much effort. And we, it's funny, we just moved into this house and we're like going through all this storage and stuff. And Aaron finds documentation of like the awards that she won when we were in high school. And then I won scholar athlete. And I start thinking back, it's like, damn, if I had the work ethic, I still, I worked hard. But you're talking about when you're in a small pond, if I'm the hardest worker there, there's no one there really challenging me to like get to the next level. So if everybody else on the aggregate is not really working that hard, all you have to do is work mediocre hard and you think you're like a hard worker. Then you come to a place like Austin, you're like, damn, there's people here that get after it in a great way. And you're just in a bigger pond. And for me, going through my life, it's always been easier when I show up and I get this like inkling, like, eh, this is not for me. That's a way easier feeling than like deciphering what you like versus what you love. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I've been talking about that a lot on the podcast and in conversations in 2022 going into 2023. Cause I think especially with entrepreneurs and people that are like yourself, not necessarily full on entrepreneurship, but you have these different passion projects and you're working in on getting another degree and then potentially leveraging a corporate job to help you with your passion project. Like there's so much to do Mm -hmm. out there in today's world. There's so much information overload. It's tough to be like, this is exactly what I love. And that's where, how do you decide today after trying all these things? Yes. Okay. You're a people person and you might like marketing, But how do you look at the next five or 10 years of your life and dial into what is it that Alec really wants to do? What does he really love? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, man. That's a, that's a tough one, right? Uh, I think it goes back to a newsletter you sent out probably a couple of weeks ago. It's like, fuck your to-do list, make your to-be list, right? So who do I want to be? It goes back to this, right? You know how I mentioned like growing up, seeing certain things, right? Like, um, you know, within my family life, right? You might see someone that's like an alcoholic. So it goes back to like being a kid. Why is that adult struggling in that manner? What is going on that they are coping in such a way? What is it about society that is causing people to suffer so much that they're coping in certain ways? What's going on in society that people feel the need to do something that might be outside of the law to get money and now they're paying the price for it. And now their families, you know, maybe suffering because of it. Um, So it goes back to like, as a kid, I was asking these questions. So it made me really realize like, okay, there's more to life than money. There's more to life than just like drinking and partying with your friends. Right. That gets old after a while. So like, what is it that we want out of life? Um, And for me, I kind of like went off on like a tangent there, but it's essentially like, It's like doing homework on like 
why is society the way it is? Why are we the way we are? And how can we improve upon this? Right. So it's like, if I can inspire at least one person and ideally a generation of people to ask themselves tough questions, to do their homework on who they are, and then find out what's best for them, then we're going to have happier individuals, happier couples, happier groups of people working and working together, doing business with each other and in aggregate, a happier society, happier world, less wasted resources. So that's, that's really the goal for what's, me, man. What's a tough question that you believe everybody should be asking themselves that they aren't necessarily asking on a regular basis? Man, it's, it's, it's tough. I, I can't think of necessarily any specific tough question I asked myself other than just honestly, just sitting and reflecting on like the future. Like, where am I going to be if I keep down this path? Like, for example, let's, let's do the AT&T B2B sales job, right? Like I, I hated it. Um, I was like, what did okay, you hate about it? I hated that. I, w- I didn't like what I was selling. And I hated that something that was so dear to me, which is talking with people like we are now, I hated that that was being turned against me. Like that innate ability to communicate well with people and cultivate relationships was being used as a profit generating mechanism for a huge conglomerate to- So it was too salesy. It was too salesy. So like, I just, you know, it it wasn't for me. So I was like, okay, where am I going to go if I keep down this path? I was like, you know, I'm not gonna be happy. I'm going to start, you know, probably coping in different ways. Maybe like this negative energy is going to influence me to fight with my girlfriend or like, you know, just be more negative on life. And then all of a sudden you lose your spark and then life goes by and you realize like, holy shit, I never had the balls to do, to take the risk and do what I wanted to do. Cause like the AT&T path, like, you know, I didn't make great money. Cause like they were paying like even the entry level people handsomely. So I was like, you know, I'd be making great money you know, could be able to buy a nice house, nice life for like family, kids. What's a nice house if it's not a home? Exactly. What's a nice house if it's not a home? So like looking at the future, like where am I going to go? And that's not to say like never be present, right? Like you have to be present and focus on the current task at hand. And that's not saying run from every tough opportunity, but it's also like ask yourself, where am I going to be if I continue the way I am right now? Where am I going to go if I continue the way I am right now? And that's so relevant to me right now with Aaron and I's child going to be coming to this earth in the physical realm outside of rebellion in the next few months. <laughs> There's some things that I've been working on changing about myself because who am I going to be as a father if some of these characteristics carry over mm-hmm. when he's here? And I've thought a lot about that and it shouldn't take having a child to do that. I feel like mm-hmm. it should be like, we should be in the school. We should be going to, there's this thing called the Socratic method where mm-hmm. it's like you argue points, you have two sides. And like a lot of times it's, you're arguing a point that you don't even believe in, but it teaches you t- how to be on the other side of the no equation. So if you're in a relationship, it teaches you as a male, how to be on the side of the female and vice versa. And there's a lot of positives to it. It started back in the philosophical times when really there wasn't much else to do on a day-to-day basis besides talk and communicate to each other and argue over ideas, right? Rather than being like, this is the way things are, like people are doing today. And it's just like, if you're not on my side, fuck you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that um, derives from Socrates, I'm assuming, the, the Socratic method? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I feel like the world would be such a better place today if people would do that more often because, you know, like you said, now it's like, if you're not with me, you're against me. And the idea that people can, like, large groups of people can all agree on the same ideas, every single idea on either side of the aisle is just wild, man. And, uh, you know, ever since, like, it, you know, for a long time now, but especially it's like, it feels like it's accelerated since 2020 that like, oh, well, if you have that opinion on that topic, then you're like over there, you know, if it's, it's just crazy. This is where the, man, this is so tough because if you go online, it, it feels like that. Mm-hmm. But if you go out into communities, it, it's just like, are people putting on a front online? That's really mm-hmm. like, that's what I feel like yeah. because it's so easy and there's no, in my eyes, it's because there's no repercussion. Yeah. If I okay. go on and I make a nasty comment to somebody on a DM or on a post, there's no repercussion. Yeah. But dude, if you said that to somebody in their face and you got smacked, you wouldn't say it again. Exactly. <laughs> like, so, and we're teaching kids that this is allowed. Like if I said half the shit that I see kids say today's world, man, I was getting soap in my mouth yeah. when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> like you just literally. like literally. I've been there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how we got to this point of the conversation. I, I, I like it. Um, and going, it goes back to the process of elimination, not knowing, yeah. not knowing, um, necessarily go. what bring, you want. Bring us back. Bring us back. Yeah. Cause it, <laughs> I mean, there's so many things we could talk yeah, we about. Could, That's why yeah, I love podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it comes with, it come, there, there's a point to all of it because it really, you pull the, the thread and really at the end of the day, it's taking ownership over your own life. Good, bad, middle, and deciding where do you want to be in life and where do you want to go? And I think now this is kind of woo, 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 mm-hmm. but the people that are truly successful in my eyes realize that the future is already here. Futures like I didn't know I'd be here, like in Austin, Texas, in mm-hmm. my own podcast studio, even podcasting, I didn't think about. But when I was younger, I had this feeling that I was going to be who I am right now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to travel and meet new people. And I was always into communities and talking to people and being on, I was a four sport athlete. So it doesn't surprise me that. I jump around from different community events mm-hmm. and do different things and have different passion projects that I work on based on if I look back at my past. And the more you realize that, the better your future is going to be because you realize in this present moment, that is my future mm-hmm. in a small way. It's just one little sliver. It's, it's, if we're looking at a painting, it's one stroke. People don't think that the stroke matters in that moment and that's where they hurt themselves. No doubt. What stroke in your past has had a negative in the moment. But when you look back, you're like, I'm glad it happened. What, what do you mean negative in the moment? So like I struggled for years mm-hmm. with my health. It was gut deteriorating and I drank a lot. So I was hurting, even though I knew I was struggling with my health, I drank a lot and it hurt my health deep down, I knew that I was one of the causes, but I kept doing it over and over and over again. And I think back, I could be like, I'm pissed at myself for doing that. Or I could say what that eventually led to is the flip side passion of, holy crap, I had this problem. This is what I did to solve it. Now I can help other people with the same thing. So I wouldn't take that part of the story away 
and I met a lot of people and I did a lot of things, but it taught me who I want to be as a man today based on who I didn't want to be when I think back. No doubt. Yeah. I could, yeah. When you put it in that lens, I could think of a, of a couple situations. Um, I guess I'll start with one, like when I was like going through a really darker time in my life, when, uh, struggling with the imposter syndrome at UT, like in my first semester. And, um, I've always been like a very family oriented dude and also a very like friend oriented dude. Like my group of friends, like we, this, this might sound corny, but like we call ourselves like the barbecue pit boys. Like we were always like grilling in high school. We were the people like, you know, you'd invite, we'd grill, we'd like drink, whatever. We'd have a good time. And it was kind of like, just like, just like a fun little, like, brand i guess if you want to call it that like we'd always like post and people like oh barbecue pit boys this and that you know but like just like i've always put my family like first always put my friends first you know like always wanted and aspired to be a leader someone that people could lean on right so when i first um went away to college you know just like you know checking back up on the family and um you know, then like always talking with my friends and I was really big, huge into the gym, fresh out of playing soccer, wanted to stay like physically active, wanted to like, um, you know, kind of let that outlet keep going. You know what I mean? So I was like, when I moved to UT, I was like, I probably should make some changes to my schedule and lifestyle, but I was like, I'm not willing to. So basically I kept like hanging out with friends at the same clip hop on and play video games with the friends, play FIFA, like Fortnite was like big that year. So we'd like hop on, uh, still communicating with the fam in the same manner, my girlfriend. So I wanted to do everything I was still doing. And then I still wanted to work out. Um, I still wanted to drink. So I was like, you know, burning the candle on, on both ends, like just like trying to do everything and paying attention to everything else but myself. And it fucked me up. Like I I was never an anxious person, started to develop like anxiety, like just like overall the pressure of like trying to survive at UT and appease everybody else. So from that struggle, I learned like, hey, it's it's great that you want to take care of your people, but you can't do that unless you take care of yourself first. So that's when I started to discover, you know, things like mindfulness practices, you know, meditation, journaling taking time for you filling your cup so that you can then fill others cup and to an even higher degree than before. Right. So that's kind of an example of like something that I thought was positive in the moment, like doing everything, but then coming to the realization that, Hey, sometimes less is more and you got to take care of you before you can take care of others. And, uh, the self-love journey has been dope. I never, I've never felt more confident, never felt more aware of who I am and, and my flaws and, what I need to improve and also what my strengths are and what I can double down on. Confidence isn't what people make it out to be. Being confident in my eyes isn't showing up somewhere in a way that's like, I can do this and I'm going to get this done. To me, being confident is showing up and being, here's what's going to hold me back from doing these things. And I don't care. I'm still going to show up anyway. And I'm going to work at 1% getting better in those ways. I think that goes hand in hand with courage because it takes courage to even look in the mirror and say, here's where I'm flawed and here's where I need to do better. And that's so hard to do when you're going into college. And I want to say it's also so hard to do when you get your first job or any job that you've had, because no matter who's listening out there, whether you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, 
we all have the pressure to show up for friends, family, our job, pulling at us at all times. What I learned over the years is you want to surround yourself with people that if you were to ghost for a couple months to work on yourself, they're supporting you and pushing you forward. They're not tugging on you and saying, where are you? Why aren't you helping me? And that's, that was such a turning point in my life and why I'm happy I moved away from where I was originally because I basically cut all ties. And that allowed me to just look in the mirror and say, where am I flawed and what do I need to work on? And then how can I give once I work on those areas? Okay. So I love how you were talking about that. And I think anybody out there can take something from that, no matter where you're at in your life, because whether you're at the start of your career, end of your career, you're a parent, you're not a parent, we all struggle with these same things. And anxiety is something that I think everyone deals with. If you're a human, you like, it's also a good thing. Like anxiety gets you out of bed in the day. You're like, I'm getting a little yeah, bit anxious. I need to get the shit done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to put such a negative connotation on that, but being an understanding of what's good and what's bad is also another question. I don't think people really ask themselves, but we're getting close to wrapping up here. And I have one last question before we get into like a wrap up. I was listening to one of your podcasts. So Alec has his own show called the smart Alec show. I like that. Sure. Um, it's awesome. But Appreciate you mentioned <laughs> this one statement just like hit me like a ton of bricks because again, it's so relatable and so many people can, can understand this if they apply it. You have to have skin in the game to learn it. What did you mean by that? And then how do people apply it to their own lives here in 2023? Did you hear that on the Sandy episode? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're, we're talking about it in the financial sense, right? Like uh, Sandy Leeds is like one of my finance professors uh, that I had at UT and like very respected dude. But what I loved about him, he was just like a very chill dude. Like he's a very accomplished dude, but he's like, just call me Sandy. Like don't, like some people are like, oh, call me Dr. Dr. Finley. I've worked X <laughs> amount of years. Like I've worked a billion years to get my PhD. You're going to call me doctor. He's like, fuck all that. Just I'm Sandy. Like who cares? Yeah. So he's very chill. But um, we we're talking about how like you don't really learn in the finance world. Like if you're trading stocks or whatever, you like, you need to have skin in the game. Like it can't be fake money. It can't be paper money. It's got to be real legit money. You're hard earned money. So you can feel the roller coaster of emotions and what it's like to manage it. But where that comes into play in the real world is like you putting yourself out there, right? Like it's not easy to record a podcast and put your thoughts out there. Um, like what seems like for, for eternity, right? Like, you know, you've had podcast episodes that have been up for years and you probably keep them up for maybe the rest of your life. Right. And they'll probably outlive you and someone will hit play on them. Right. And hopefully be impacted. That's the goal, but it's, it's scary to put yourself out there so openly and so vulnerably. And, you know, that, that's, that's essentially the skin in the game. How can you be your authentic self be vulnerable, be open to looking like a dumbass. Like, like, it's just like dancing, right? Like if you want to learn how to dance, you might have to look stupid a time or two. Like growing up, like I spoke a little Spanish, but now I speak a lot more Spanish because I was willing to sound like a dumbass enough time speaking it so that I could get corrected and, and learn how to speak it better. And, and same thing with anything. You just have to be willing to put skin into the game, you know, invest in yourself, invest in your business yeah, you might get burned, but the lessons, you know, you have to value the lessons as something different. Like it's, it's very easy to value things in terms of money. Like, oh, I lost X amount of dollars on that venture. But really it's like, what was the knowledge and wisdom gained from burning that money on that venture that you're now going to apply to the next thing in life? 
whether it be your marriage or your parenting style with your kids or your next business, right? It's like the lessons don't have to be just lessons in that realm of life. It can be a lesson applied to another area of life. You know, so many lessons on the field, I'm sure that we've both learned on the soccer field that we apply in other areas of life, you know? Thank you for explaining that. And I liked that explanation a lot. And I'm going to piggyback off of it because it was an episode with a teacher. And one of the things I struggled with growing up was I was a rambunctious and rebellious kid. And a lot of it came from, I didn't trust other people because I didn't believe they had skin in the game. I didn't like people telling me what to do when I was like, you don't even do this yourself. So how are you going to tell me how to do this thing? And that's where in this world of information overload, what I want to convey to people is your best bet of thriving on life is looking in the mirror and one, asking yourself, where do you really have skin in the game? And if you don't, you need to put two feet in and get in the game. So it's like, okay, it's the new year. Everybody wants to go to the gym, but like, what does it look like? to really have the skin in the game to go to the gym. In my eyes, it's hire a coach. It's like invest in the fitness gear so that you feel good. You look good. You feel good. You feel good. You play good. You play good. They pay good. That's the saying, right? So really go two feet in and get your skin in the game. You're going to see results. You mentioned the financial one. And I think what's really lacking in today's world is the relationship skin in the game because of the swiping and everything that's going on there, it's, I can only, I can literally not have to put skin in the game because I just like, I just want a little cherry. I don't want the full thing. But the problem I have is like, that's fine. If that's what you say you want, but there's a lot of people out there that are like, I want, I want the perfect person that matches me male or female but I'm not willing to really put the skin in the game of, okay, I'm going to hold myself to the highest standard and then I'm going to attract that person. So when I think of skin in the game, I really loved how you said that on that podcast because of what it really made me feel is one, I built more trust in that conversation with Sandy because I was like this conversation, I kind of want to listen to this guy and his advice because he also talked about college and how like he mentioned something that hit so well with me. Oh, he was like, he literally word for word was like, they go and they tell him that they like math and science or something like that. And that's the degree that they're going to get. Like, and that hit home with my story. Like literally I went to the counselor and they were like, you're good at math and science. You should be an engineer. But when I think (laughs) back, I'm just like, how is that guy qualified to understand my life and know he had no skin in the game for my life? Like what he told me didn't matter. Like there was no repercussion if he told me one thing or the other And that's where anyone listening to this, even on my own episode, when I talk about things, you call me out. If you don't think I have skin in the game to talk about these conversations or these topics, like call me out. Like you should be believing in people that have a skin in the game. And I really appreciate that. That's a sentiment that you were bringing to your podcast and your show and to other people out there, because I think it's such an undervalued concept that most people we don't grow because you see a teacher and you're like, Oh, hell teacher. Like, you know, everything (laughs) or like parents, like I love my parents too, but some of the things they told me 180 degrees of what the reality was. Right. Um, I know know we're moving towards wrapping up, but I want to mention this as well. Like, you know, um, I heard this on a Casey nice stat, like how I built this episode a while back as well. 
but it's something that has resonated with me since I was a kid. It's like, you know, as a kid, I did admire like, you know, celebrities or athletes, whatever, but like other people like freak out, fanboy out about them. And I'm like, they're just a person like us. Like what is special about them? They have achieved a level of greatness that maybe I could achieve or you could achieve. Right. There's, there's a danger to putting people on pedestals, man. Like whether it's like a teacher, right. Like assuming that they know it all or, you know, a lot, a lot of people, it can be like in the religious community, like a priest, assuming that they know it all, or even just any person in life, like your parents, right? We all love our parents to death. We're all appreciative of all the sacrifices they've made for us. Um, that's part of the reason why I go so hard and trying to find a realm of life that I'm passionate about and can succeed in and provide value to others. Cause it's like, what, what was all their sacrifice for my family sacrifice for? Exactly. You know, they might, there's a lot of value in working a job that you hate. It might be the B2B sales. It might be hanging drywall. It might be pouring construction. There's a lot of value in all that, that those guys go to work and they don't necessarily want to be doing that, but they go and they go hard every day. But so their kids can have a chance to do something else. Right. So it's like, I have a chance to do something I'm passionate about. Why would I not go for it? Right. But that's an aside. It's like, just be be careful who you put on a pedestal because, you know, they're human. They don't know all the answers as well. Question the things you're hearing from your parents, from your peers, from your teachers. Question things from for yourself. You know, like I, I love your story because you talk about, you know, how the traditional medical system, like you couldn't find the answers that you needed by going to the doctor. And that resonated with me because I had some weird pain in my left side, you know, and I was hitting the gym hard. And, you know, drinking all this protein and all these supplements and going hard. So like what people idealize as healthy was actually causing me a pain that I had to then go figure out on my own without the doctor's help. Because I would go and they'd do like an x-ray, like, oh, nothing wrong, sonogram, nothing wrong, doing these tests, nothing wrong. Like you're you're crazy. Like I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm in pain every day. So like do do your own homework, ask questions, don't put people on a pedestal to the point where you're willing to believe anything they say you should do your own due diligence and your own research. And the people who are willing to ask the tough questions and willing to tell you the truth to your face, regardless of, of how you're going to feel about it, those are the people you want in your corner. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's honestly just one of the biggest points I want to make is like you just bet on yourself, whether that be adopting the underdog mentality and using mechanisms to get to your goals like I did. Whereas like, you know, when I was at UT and I was like, I'm going to fail. Like, no, you're not going to fail. Cause you know what? You have a little sister that's one year old and how the hell would, you know, you look back at her and think like, damn, I didn't give it my all. And now I'm not going to be able to provide resources to support my siblings and inspire my siblings, you know, cause I did put that on myself, like as being the oldest siblings, like, I bet I better go hard because there's people watching and I'm setting the bar. And, and I feel that like within any realm of life. So it's like, I'd rather be the friend that tells people the truth to their face and they're hurt about it, but they get better than, you know, just kissing ass and being too scared to tell people the truth and tell people what it is. Like you got to be down to question, ask questions, man. Be, be inquisitive. Uh, put yourself on the pedestal. That's what it reminded me of. Like if you're going to put anybody yeah. on the pedestal, put yourself there, your future self, what does that look like? And how do you get there? And it gave me chills when you started talking about the siblings, cause I have a little brother and mm -hmm he's going to be 30 this year and it's just been amazing watching him grow. And then just like some of the conversations that we have, because mm -hmm. when you, I feel like when you're the younger sibling mm -hmm. uh, and this comes from an understanding of just like, 
people put him on a pedestal because of me, because of my mm. actions. Like they get, when you're the older one, like you don't get, we're in our head more. Yeah. I think we're in our head of like who we got to be and what do we got to do to prove ourselves. And then for mm. them, it's just like the comparison syndrome and the pedestal yeah. that gets set for them. And I noticed that over the course of his, his life, especially when yeah. we played, he was a freshman soccer player and I was a senior. And that's gotta be tough too, right? Like, you know, each sibling has their own struggles. Like ours could be like the struggle we put on ourselves or like directly from our parents. Right. Like, Oh, we see, you know, but I feel like you're, you're the oldest sibling, mm -hmm. right? So like you kind of see more of a glimpse, like your parents are a little bit younger than when the next siblings come, you kind of get more of a glimpse into like, you know, you're their first trial with parenting, you know, you see different things in the younger siblings. So like a lot of it is like maybe self-imposed pressure. Like, you want he to had more right. leniency. Yeah, he had more yeah. leniency. But like I'd imagine, you know, the comparison syndrome is tough as hell too because like who wants that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. And that's where yeah. the understanding of like when I started getting older and understanding that and being more supportive of helping mm -hmm. him become who he's meant to become, um, we started getting closer and closer. And then today, the reason it gave me chills when you said that is just like thinking back to now he's the one that inspires and encourages me just by watching from the outside. And th that... I think is one of the most fulfilling feelings that I've ever had. And it, it started with, I'm not one that has put people on the pedestal. I've just been always hot, like putting myself on mm. that, on that pedestal. Who do I need to become? And then uh, trying to encourage and inspire other people to do the same for themselves. And that's where Thrive on Life was birth. And I'm just happy to have guests like you come on and, and really spread wisdom and, and encouragement and inspire other people to do the same thing. But this has been an amazing conversation, Alec. I appreciate your time and going to wrap up the same way that we always do. So if people love this conversation and they wanted to get in contact with you, how do they do so? Um, you can find me on any platform available. Uh, Instagram at Real Smart Alec. Twitter, same thing. Uh, you can look up on Google Smart Alec Show, the YouTube or the website or Spotify. Anything should pop up. So Look up the podcast available on all, on all platforms. You guys will see CJ on there in due time and he'll be on the other end of this. But, uh, you know, kind of similar concept to, to what CJ's doing here, just talking about with people who are taking their steps to thrive in their life, working in industries or realms or starting businesses that they're passionate about that deliver impact to others and uh, ask them how they got there and how we can aspire to do the same. But uh, CJ, thank you for having me on, my brother. I've been looking forward to this for some time now. Um, I consider myself a fan, but even more importantly, I'm proud to consider myself a friend, man. You've helped me a lot in my journey, accelerating me to where I want to get to. I might have gotten there a few years later um, if it weren't for you, man. Uh, but I, I appreciate you, man. This is what you're building. is serves a huge purpose, and it's going to drive positive impact in society as time goes on, man. So thank you. Yeah, that's it's a blessing to, to be able to hear that. So thank you. You know how we end the show. What does thriving mean to you? Thriving to me, man, I could get long winded with this, but I'll, I'll try to keep you can it do short. It. <laughs> thriving to me means, like I said earlier, asking yourself the tough questions, sitting with yourself, taking the time to understand yourself so that you can better understand where you want to go and the impact you want to have. So thriving to me is not just succeeding in terms of like, building wealth or generational wealth or making X amount of dollars or driving X, Y, Z. I feel like a lot of times we get caught up in like the material world. Thriving to me means a big house and a, and a Lambo that to me, it doesn't mean that it means, am I able to accumulate enough 
to provide my loved ones with at least a safety net and support and something to aspire to? And am I able to leave a legacy that outlasts me, right? Am I able to live my life to where I'm happy and healthy and successful in the short term in my several goals, whether it be like business or personal or relationship or like fun stuff like traveling? Am I able to thrive in the short term in a way that's sustainable to thrive in the long term? across all these various spectrums of life. So that that's honestly what thriving means to me. So like meditating, journaling, which I've been slacking on because I've just been getting like bent over by work and school lately, but it's no excuse, right? It means like physical health, right? Like getting more into sauna, ice bath, working out, getting more into like being holistically healthy, not just like, oh, I want to be jacked so I can pick up chicks or so I can like post on IG and like, you know, girls slide in the DMs and dudes be envious of me and I can just go fuck people up on the soccer field. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not about that. It's just about like legitimately being healthy. So I'm in the perfect state of mind or the best state of mind to then communicate better, succeed better in business, succeed better in, in, in mentoring my family members or, or people that are coming next. Um, it's just like holistically in all areas of life, doing your best to sustainably for the long term thrive. I like the long-winded answer because it's more of a feeling than it is a definition. It's hard Mm -hmm. to define. And that's, 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 (laughs) that's why I ask every person, every person has a different viewpoint on it and has a different belief. And one of the main reasons that I podcast is to showcase that we're allowed to have different beliefs and and that's how we get better. So I appreciate you and that, and that answer. Um, It really just showcases that there's so many areas in your life that when you look back, you can either be just surviving or you can be thriving. There's not just one definition. And at the end of every episode, I think of kind of the main takeaway for me from the conversation and from this one, for you specifically, I think you do a good job and the underdog story is like, what you see isn't who you have to be and become. And I think for you, you represent this as just like, when you were talking about when you were growing up, the things that you were just, that you were seeing weren't necessarily the same things that other people see when they grow up, but that doesn't dictate your outcome. It doesn't dictate who you have to be. And I think too many of us, no matter what you're seeing in life, allow what we see to dictate who we are being. So if we see somebody else doing something, we then allow ourselves to do that thing because we're like, "Ah, they're doing it. They're slacking so I can do it. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta branch out from your environment. You don't have to be a product of just your small environment that you grew up in. You can have the courage to go shake that dude's hand and go say, what's up? Like, like, for example, it could have been easy for me to ignore, have ignored Hamza on LinkedIn when he DM'd me and shout out Hamza. Like he kind of got us right here right now. I liked his LinkedIn posts. Like didn't even connect with him. And he's like, Hey man, uh, Saw you liked my post, appreciate the love, and he hit me up. He's a like, fucking G. No, he's a fucking G, and I'm I'm so proud of him what he's doing at at his age, and he's younger than me. So to see that, I'm like, you know, he's younger than me. There's so many other people younger than me that are kicking ass, and they're not asking for permission to do it. So why am I gonna, you know, sleep and and, and go slow and move slow on these things? Like I need to just fucking do it. So shout out Hamza for inspiring and connecting us. Like. I could have easily ignored him or I could have just said like, Hey, cool, man. Appreciate the invite to the thrive HQ, but I got some other shit going on. No, I was like, you know what? I don't know what the fuck this is, but I'm going. 
Like I have a good feeling about it. I like did my due diligence on you, started looking into the podcast. <laughs> oh shit. A lot of this stuff resonates with me in terms of like feeling almost like a misfit and mischievous. I was always like a mischievous kid. So like if you can channel that energy of feeling like an outcast or a misfit or an underdog, if you can corral this, what's coined as negative energy and corral it into something positive, And you can articulate that many ways, like pain into purpose or whatever. But at the end of the day, like there's a saying that I really like from Russell Brand. He's like, there's a thin line between genius and madness. And it's just like genius is seen as madness until it finds its context. So it's like, find your context, find where to let out that energy that was coined as mischievous and crazy at the end of, you know, when you were a kid at the end of the day and and turn it into something incredible. You know, like a lot of the entrepreneurs in the world, didn't do well in school growing up. Like, oh, they're ADD. They never pay attention. They're always doing something else. And look at them now. There's many great examples. So just corral that that energy and turn it into something incredible. But again, you know, that it goes back to like, by meeting you, I stepped outside of my environment and gained a whole new input. Your input from the content you post out so then I could apply that to my own life. By talking to someone of a different race of a, of a different socioeconomic background, um, of different interests, of different political beliefs, religious beliefs. There's so much value in talking to people from different backgrounds and environments because that's what allows you to get outside of your immediate environment. That's what allows you to step out these perspectives, this advice, these learnings. And I would attribute it to the saying, it, it takes a village. Like shout out to all my people because it, t- it took a village to get me to where I am today. It took... You know, my my cousin Chris taking me to, to soccer practice on a Friday evening when he didn't have to. He was like my age, 24. He's taking a 12-year-old to practice because no one else in my family could at the time. Or like my uncle that was like, you know, 28 and he could have been out doing his thing. But he's like, you know, he's going to try to talk to me about the birds and the bees, you know, when he didn't have to. Like just all these random acts of love kindness. and guidance and kindness along the way. You inviting me here today. You know, all of that uh, has help get me to where I am today. So it takes a village, but you have to reach out to people and communicate that you want to interact with them and that you can provide value to them and you're interested in what they've got going on and support them. And then through all those collaborations, you can lift up, rise up out of your environment, transcend it and impact it and create your new environment as well. We're going to end there. I appreciate you listening to this episode. The best thing that you can always do for us is share Alex episode. So if you really like this and the information that it provided you, please share it with somebody else that you think it could have an impact on. Please leave us a five-star rating and review that helps us get it out to more ears. And always thank you for tuning in. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.